everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of Granny's Peach Tea. We are at episode 31. That was a good scarecrow. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Crane. Um, Anytime. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're at episode 31. Welcome to the show and joining us tonight uh, on our usual spot on Wednesdays. Thanks for joining us, whether it's on the Facebook stream, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, wherever it is. We always appreciate the support. And if you're checking us out on the podcast-only version, welcome aboard, too, for the ride. We got a pretty good one tonight. We got a wild, psychedelic set of shows. Oh, we do. <laughs> Between Titans and What If, we got some wild shit going on. So We do. Uh, yeah, we can't wait to get to it, though. So, um, Jason, what's what's going on with me? How's and he's going? with me, as always, because I just goofed up my own thing. But go, go for That's it. That's all right. No, I'm always here, baby. Always here, ready to scarecrow dance or, or give a little Zemo <laughs> pump action or whatever you need, man. That's what I'm here for. We're doing a lot of dancing, I've noticed, to open up our shows. But like, I think since Zemo is kind of when I noticed it started becoming like a thing for us. Zemo inspired us, man. We we actually could say that we've been inspired by the character Baron Zemo and not in a scary Nazi way. Yeah, this right? is true. We, we got a very un, unscary Zemo. Unscary um, Zemo, right? Because in the comic, he's a Nazi, right? I'm not misremembering that. Oh, I know. He's absolutely a Nazi. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> he's, <absolutely laughs> he's not in the MCU, which I'm happy about. No. no. They, that wouldn't make sense, but uh, I just wanted to make sure I remembered. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, yeah, Alex, by the way, that's a pretty smart move, though. Uh, not me watching What If Right Now last minute before the show starts. <laughs> Alex, I appreciate that. You can come back, dude, when you get a chance. You will probably line up to about the time we're done with CW-verse and jump into What If. So go knock out that episode, and we'll see you soon, man. That's true. That's true. You won't miss yeah, much on Baywatch about- Nights. You, you've you seen the chicken episode. You've seen it all. Yes, he's, he was fortunate enough to uh, to check that one out. He uh, was, but- yeah. <laughs> so, Jason, you want to kick it off? Let's hit the ground running. Let's unhassle right. the Hoff. Let's unhassle the Hoff. So... Shake up, guys. There's a new cat. There are new cast members. Oh my god, like we are. This is episode 11, the takeover, and uh, they've gotten rid of the psychic woman that I've told you about, which I saw that coming. She's only been on three episodes. <laughs> um, and they have replaced her with some hot guy who like isn't in this episode, but he looks to be a photographer, so I guess I'll see him in the future. And uh, the new owner of the club which Lou Rawls owns. And Lou Rawls still in the credits, not in this episode. Uh, Love how he's in the credits, but not in every episode, but whatever. Um, So uh, Donna DeErico is now in this show. I don't know if you know who she is. Uh, Donna DeErico is literally like the poor man's Pam Anderson in the sense that she was like a very attractive blonde woman in the nineties, right? What I like to call LA attractive. Whereas Pam Anderson was on Baywatch. Apparently Donna Derrico was on Baywatch nights. Whereas Pam Anderson was married to um, what's his face uh, from Motley Crue. Uh, Donna Derrico is married to Nikki six from Motley Crue. Oh, wow. So the, the parallels are there, but she is now the new owner of the building. They revamp. They must have like they must have decided to revamp the show in this episode because uh, there were certain things that just weren't working. I guess I don't know. It was all working for me. But now <laughs> this the, the place the, the the club that it used to take place in that they had their offices in in used to be like this seedy jazzy nightclub that Lou Rawls ran, mm-hmm. and he still runs it. But now it looks like a Hooters. 
Like, like it looks like the interior of a Hooters. Like, it's all wooden, and there are women with belly shirts and uh, bucks me, and they're serving. And it, it, yeah, it's weird. But if you um, don't have the Hooters wings, then I'm sorry, you, you just don't have it. That's true. That's true. They, I did, don't think they were paying for that Hooters sauce. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but th this episode's nuts, though. This episode, they're hired to go find someone is targeting the managers of this company. And Mitch's friend from high school calls him in to see if there's a connection between these incidental deaths. And the first incidental death is hysterical. There's a guy hand gliding on the beach. And then it's obvious that someone messed with the hang glider and it comes undone and he's hanging onto the hang glider and he's swirling around and you think he's going to crash and he manages to land safely and then is annihilated by a truck. Yes! <laughs> yes. That is not how I thought that was going to end. No, me neither. <laughs> Are you sure this isn't like a what if episode of no. Baywatch Nights? No, this is how this guy was killed. I don't know how they. I don't know how they knew to have the truck there. Maybe it was just lucky. Wow. But there, there are two. There are two boat bombs and a car bomb in this. And the last boat bomb, the killer. It doesn't even matter who the killer is. But the last boat bomb, like she, she's someone who knew Mitch. Like uh, almost slept with him. She pretended to be a possible victim herself. And then at the end, she just gives this look of resignation when she's been thwarted. And Mitch is like, "Jump from the boat!" And she's the one who placed the bomb. And she just looks at the camera and goes. And then it explodes. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. It was a wild oh, ride, my boy. friends. Oh, uh, I'm, boy. I'm enjoying this show. I am enjoying this show, and I want to see where what Donna DeErico and the new hot cameraman add to it. <laughs> yeah, I, the name, the name's ringing a bell. I'm, pr I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about, but yeah, I think yeah. that's a good way to describe her. She was like a fake Pam Anderson, and that's weird that she dated uh, Nikki Six from. Uh, Motley Crue while she was dating Tommy Lee. Married to Nikki Six while Pam Anderson was married to, like, not just dating, they were married to Motley Crue members. Like, that's why the, there are parallels here. There are parallels to be drawn. Yeah, yeah, no, it's... I'm, I'm curious if there's a multiverse where Donna DeErico has Pam Anderson's career and vice versa. If what if has well, led us to believe anything, or Loki, if we've learned anything, then that's absolutely a thing. I think so. I think so. I'm a big believer in parallel parallel universes. Yeah, no, I, I I think so. I mean, it's probably it's pretty wild to go down that road and think of any little thing that we've done wrong. It's like one day if I didn't go to the pizzeria and I had like Chinese food for lunch, what happened the rest of the day? Like, did my entire life change or whatever? Or blah right. blah blah. Right. Well, look at look at. Isn't it Rick who has a story that he was like late going to work on nine eleven because he was yep. hungover? Yep. Right. So, what if Rick didn't go out drinking the night before? The very different uh, world we live in. A world I don't no, want to live true. in. No, not at all. Not at all. Hawkeye loses his number one fan, and so does uh, so does Daredevil. He's tied for he's tied for both. We go to encounter stuff. Yeah, but that's. So that's a weird thing, man. That's a, that's a weird, weird thing. Um, all right, well let's let's jump into CW, man. Let's let's hit the ground running and, and keep it moving here. Uh, we got DC's Legends of Tomorrow, season six, episode fourteen. Uh, the almost finale, since the finale is this upcoming Sunday. All right, uh, Jason, take it away. What do you what do you got for us? Else. <laughs> All right. So just to let you know, Eddie, either I am glitching or you are. Oh, okay. Uh, 
I see us both good. So just letting you know. Uh, oh, but okay. I think I think we think we're back. So all right. So yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, right, you're frozen storm? for is me, it? so I don't know if I'm oh. frozen for you. No, no, no. We're we're both good in from my perspective. Okay, you can hear me. Good. Okay, because uh, all right. So damn you, Streamyard. And Jason is gone. So for those of you who are not in New York, uh, we're actually in the middle of a storm right now that's going on here. So we were kind of concerned about internet problems tonight. So this is apparently one of them. Yeah, we're having we're having one of those. Oh, here we go. We are wait, we're back. All right. Yeah. All right, I think we're good now. All right, am I good? We're having technical difficulties because of the rain, guys. I yeah, that's what I was just explaining. I'm giving weather updates. All right, you know what? I actually <laughs> do this because are we good now? I'm going to move to the other room. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to just move to the other room where my internet's better, and I will be right back. Okay. We're going to take the trip with Jason to take the trip. <laughs> the apartment hey. Let's go. Take her around the apartment. See, you know, I'm alone. My wife is in LA with the uh, with the baby. All right. All right. So, as a matter of fact, you can see my really newly renovated action figures. Took the time to set up my action figures. Uh, one of which is a sort of send up to our show where I have Mojo and uh, Mephisto with uh, with Wanda and Vision, which I sent you guys before. Yeah, no, that was pretty great. That was pretty great. That is that is my my homage to, to our show. <laughs> all right. Apologies, I think I am back now. Um, all right, so Legends. <clears throat> So uh, we pick up where we left off last week, where Bishop uh, has convinced Constantine to free him, to, uh, promising him he's going to get him to the uh, Fountain of Imperium. Uh, Constantine gets everyone off the ship but Astra and Spooner, and they steal Gideon, and they go to 1920s Texas. We find out that... Oh, wait. Jason, though, we lo looks like we lost you again. Damn it, this storm is really screwing us up. It really is. Am I, can you see me? Yeah, no, now, yeah, you're a little bit off with the audio and stuff, but it's fine. We can hear you now. All right, yeah, sorry. My, it, it's really messing up my internet tonight. I really apologize, guys. Let me, uh, I'm going to try to just disconnect real quick and come back. Um, but uh, think about this. Think about this. Uh, what if, what if, What if there wasn't a storm tonight? We were able to get this show uh, rolling here. Um, all right. Well, I mean, yeah, DC's Legends of Tomorrow this week was uh, it was a pretty solid episode. I, I mean, at least in my opinion. We'll get Jason's half when he's able to sign back on. Um, yeah, but there was a lot of furthering of Constantine's storyline. He's working with Bishop. Uh He's working with Bishop over there, and they're trying to get him to the uh, Fountain of Emporium, which has been Constantine's arc, you know, throughout the season. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, essentially the legends are forced to go back in time to try to stop Constantine from, you know, from doing something pretty reckless and pretty crazy. So, oh, there is... Yeah, we are all over the place with this thing. We really apologize for the technical difficulties. This has been crazy. I, I blame, I I blame <laughs> the Joker, damn it. I was, I was talking about Legends because I was like, listen, I don't know what the heck's going on. Yeah, sorry, guys. I, I think that's – I think we fixed I think I fixed it. I apologize. Okay. Um, so where'd you leave off? Uh, I was explaining how uh, um, Constantine was working with Bishop and they would get him to the Fountain of Emporium that the Legends had to go back in time to essentially stop this thing. Uh, you know, and then that's pretty much why I left off with it. You can pick up from there. Cool. So we find out. So uh, the Legends have to get to Bishop and they don't have Gideon. So – they decide that the only way they can get get them is to get Kayla to come and get them, which, if you don't remember, is the alien that impregnated Mick. And the way that, and I love this. This is one of the funniest gags in the episode. The way that Gary gets Kayla to come is he takes pictures of Mick with fake eggs and puts it on like a, like Spacebook, right? Galactopost, it's called, yeah, it like, like that, yeah. right? Um, and she comes because she's jealous and she sees it, which I think that's hysterical. Uh, and she comes for the eggs, of course, because they're her children. Um, and then in the 20s, we find out that uh, Spooner is actually – I thought this was weird, but I, I mean, whatever. It's a weird show. But Spooner was actually a kid in the 1920s whose mother was murdered – and the Fountain of Imperium is an alien, and that is the alien that kidnapped her and took her to the future to keep her safe. If this were on any other show, I'd call bullshit. Yeah, I was not sure how I felt about that whole uh, reveal. I mean, was it really more out there than Gary being an alien when that was never hinted at at any point at any time in the show either? Right. And I, I think that's it. Like, this show can get away with it because it literally just goes – who cares? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, so I, that's the tone of the show. But if, the, if we were discussing this on something else, I'd be pissed. Cause that's, it kind of makes no sense. Yeah. Um, we also don't know much about Spooner though. Like her origin, we know she had a connection to aliens. She seems to have a quick trigger finger. She has an attitude. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, pretty much all we know about her until now. We don't really know much about her. So, I, you know, I think that's also part of it, too. At least Gary we had a relationship with. So, yeah. when we, so when we found out Gary was an alien, it's like, okay, all right. I like Gary. I'm fine. But, like, I don't really know Spooner. Like, Spooner and Astra, I feel that we're not really getting much from them. More from Astra, I think, this year. But those are the characters, I think, that are being un underserved. Yeah, I mean, if Astra, the only, I think the only people who would – like, I have some knowledge of Constantine – from the show and from other mediums that I've seen with him, uh, animated stuff and things like that. I know Astra is, which they reiterate on a show, that Astra is very much tied closely to Constantine, and yes. he's the child that, you know, pretty much he feels he lost, his, you know, to, the, to hell. And that's why, you know, he's always kind of like down and about, and his thing was always to, to rescue Astra. And then in Legends, he actually gets to do it. Yes, yeah, which I think is super cool. Was she part of the show? She was part of the show, right? Or was that story arc part of Constantine's show? I saw it a long time ago. Uh, not that he, he is, just that he was upset about losing Astra and failing her mother. 
Okay, but so you never meet her, but she's in the show. No, like she's, she's mentioned in the show. She's mentioned plenty. She's mentioned in the animated movie Constantine City of Demons. She's mentioned in Justice League Dark in the animated uh, show a okay. movie. She's always mentioned. She's always tied with Constantine. I gotta get on those uh, those cartoon movies. Um, but anyway, so uh, and then what we find out? Oh, Bishop has the best line in my opinion in the episode. The groove is all part of the process. <laughs> because he's like dancing while he's working, constantly because that better be a, su a, a success dance. And he went, the groove is all part of the process. <laughs> like, I really like this villain. He's just so smooth and and new age and evil. And I really like him. Um, and then let's say, all right, yeah. So then reveal Bishop poisons John because his whole thing is to destroy the fountain of Imperium. And then he waits, he gets John to have the connection and poisons him. Killing both the Fountain of Imperium and Constantine, which this might be the end of Constantine, because as we know, he's coming back as a different character next season. Yeah, and I don't know how I feel about that. If that's how they're, I Constantine is obviously he's going to be in the finale. It's not like they're going to kill him off the one before the finale, and I don't think Constantine's going to get a happy send off at all. I think. They've set him up to go down a dark path, and knowing the character of Constantine, it's going to be a pretty fucked up situation of how he goes out, however that ultimately ends. But I don't think this is the final, and you know, for lack of a better term, nail in the coffin for Constantine. Though. Yeah, I, my, my, theory, my theory is this, because his death triggered the death of the Fountain of Imperium. My theory is that he died but didn't he does something like he's going to be the reason because i saw the previews for next week and obviously now we find out the fountain of imperium was a shield stopping massive alien invasion and with it gone which is why bishop wanted to destroy it the world is now easy pickings for aliens and and our legends have to defend the planet my theory is that constantine is going to somehow resurrect the imperium to and save the day in the finale that's that's my that's my theory yeah, no, I think that's that, that's a pretty solid theory there. I mean, I think that that jives and lines up with what's going to happen. We know that there's going to be a wedding with, you know, Ava and uh, and Sarah Lance, so they'll they'll finally get married, and there'll be seems like weddings in the CW verse are always going to draw like insanity and wars and things like that, like Barry and Iris's wedding yep. and all the other crap. So they get attacked by alternate Nazis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, I mean, aliens or alternate world Nazis from, from Earth X. Um, I'd know. rather the aliens. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. The aliens. <laughs> aliens are more human than Nazis. That's true. That is true. Um, so now here's my question for you, Ed. I, I saved this for last purposefully. Do you think that – so what happens with Mick Rory is uh, they – so Bishop, like, puts a time bomb on his eggs and just oh, for shits right. and giggles. And, like, they try to save the eggs, and Mick goes back for one and gets caught in the explosion. Now, we know Mick's not coming back next year, right? He's yeah. he's done with the show. So do you think they're killing him? or you, or I, I don't think they're killing him, but I think that this is directly going to be related why he leaves. But what do you, what do you think? Uh, my guess is Mick is going to get a happy send-off like most characters that have left this show. Ray Palmer, who we're actually going to see in the beginning of uh, Season 8 of The Flash next year, which is really cool. Ooh. Exciting. Yeah, no, they're bringing back some of the uh, oldies that are that have been gone for a while. I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. I think it's, it's going to be called Armageddon. It's like a five-part 
series that opens up in season eight of The Flash. Um, that's ex that's exciting because uh, I love that character of Ray Palmer. I miss having him on Legends. He's a great uh, great character. No, me too. Uh, excited to see him. Um, but I think yeah, like Ray got a happy send off. Um, you know, Captain Cold got his happy send off and things like that. So my guess is Mick is probably going to end up with the alien, or he's going to go back with his daughter. That actually, I'm going to call this. He's going to decide to go back with his daughter, and that's how he's going to end up like being with that woman and doing that whole thing. And that's how I think he's going to send off. Maybe the whole alien egg thing got him feeling like a parent and and of some way, and that's how he's going to be kind of like brought back to current time and he'll he'll live the life like that. Once I get to see Mick Rory's character starting off as a criminal and having a story arc where he kind of like gets to be a good dude and goes out a hero, I, I can see that. Yeah, and and I think that's earned. Like he's had, I think he's had the most growth of character since the beginning, right? Because in the beginning, he only joins the Legends because Captain Cold does, right? Yeah, it's just because they decided, hey, we're going to take you guys, and that's it. Yeah. So so like now that he is like a you know, one of the last remaining members. And so I, I hope they give him a nice send off. No, I think so. I have a, I have a good feeling about that one. Um, all right. Uh, cool. yeah, that's legends. All right. So let's, uh, let's keep it moving on. We'll get to uh star girl episode four of season two. Uh, an episode that sees uh, some, some of the, uh, ISA broken out, you know, uh, Sportsmaster and his his wife, whose name I can it always escapes me, but they're both locked up, and they have an opening scene where their daughter goes to visit them. Yeah, and I love scene. it that Sportsmaster is upset that she can't watch the Sunday NFL ticket, and <laughs> she's like, "He's like they're monsters. How are they not going to let you watch football? What the hell?" I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, but their whole thing is they end up breaking themselves out of prison, and they just want to see their daughter's, like, tryout for the football team. Like, that's essential, and they genuinely, that's what they wanted. And by the end of the episode, we find out that they weren't bullshitting because they, they end up going ahead, breaking out. They go to her tryout. They meet up with Pat. Pat. They have this whole conversation. They spend time in Pat's house with Pat's wife, and I can see, like, the connections between – you know, Pat and Sportsmaster and Pat's wife and, and Sportsmaster's wife. So they're like, oh, you know, maybe we're not that so different after all, even though they're like super villains and <laughs> nut jobs about like fitness and sports and all this other stuff. So I thought, well, uh, was a whole interesting Sportsmaster has this great line where he's bonding with Pat and he's like puts his arm around him. He's like, you know, when you first moved here, I really felt that we were we were gonna be close friends. What what happened to that? <laughs> and Pat's like, well, you know, you did try to kill me, but relationships are weird. <laughs> <laughs> Their whole dynamic, those two characters, is great. It's like, you remember he ran a gym and he wanted to get Pat into shape and all this other crap. Right. And that's so funny. I thought that's that's pretty good. Um, and then we find a lot about the shade. So they're you know the they're going ahead and tracking down the shade, uh, the new JSA. They're shining him down, and Stargirl runs into him, and because uh, he's after, they find out he's after the Black Diamond, which Lizard King's daughter has now, and Eclipso. We find out Eclipso is a part of that Black Diamond, and whoever has the Black Diamond gets Eclipso's powers. 
essentially. And then we find out about his powers. It's like an illusion <clears throat> power, and it can turn things like places weird, people weird. It can make them see things that they're not, you know, they're not really seeing. And that also does tie into um, Sportsmaster's daughter's tryout because she sees like a SWAT team going around her parents to take them in, and she runs off the field and like ends up beating the crap out of Stargirl because she thinks she's one of the SWAT team and, and that whole thing. But and, and to close their story arc, though, at least for, for now, was they just say, listen, we just want to warn you not to make the same mistakes we messed up. They willfully go back to prison, which I, I thought was, I was waiting for some sort of evil master plot, but it never happened. Yeah, and I, I, I like that. I really like that because what I really like about this show is that not everyone is 100% villain, and not everyone is 100% hero. And I think that's the ethos of this show, right? Like, mm-hmm. the, the ISA in the first season, as we discussed, they had genuinely ideal motives for doing terrible things, right? They they wanted to erase poverty and, and, and give us clean energy and erase bigotry. Like, you know, um, and so what I liked about this episode was the fact that Sportsmaster and his wife, they uh, they break out because they are good parents. They're terrible people. Yeah. They're psych- psychopaths, but they're good parents, right? Whereas um, the, the, the new Dr. Midnight, I forget her name, her parents are not psychopaths. They're very normal people, and they're terrible parents, right? Yeah. So, you know, like, I really like what this show does with that, and the show has the shade actually sur- uh, surmised the ethos of the show perfectly in this episode when he's talking to star girl and, and i'm not going to ruin it because i know you'll go into it but he says to no, her, go ahead go with it so they're they're talking he confronts her and you know she's like she's like i know you want calypso and you want to take his power and i'm going to stop you and he's like i'm insulted that you think that i would want calypso he's like the the one thing that you're that stripes he should teach you is there's a difference between bad and evil and and that's the ethos of this show because i'm i'm bad i've i've broken some laws i've killed some people i've never hurt anyone who didn't really deserve it unless i had to you know uh eclipso will hurt just to hurt because he is evil and that i think is really the dividing factor of these villains like no one in the isa except for like um the doctor, I forget his name, the Dr. Dragon or whatever his name is. I think I'd make Lizard the argument King. he Lizard King. Him and his daughter are the only two are that I would make the argument are evil. The rest of the ISA were just kind of misguided. They were bad, but they weren't evil. And I really like that. And I think we're about to explore something because this ends with like Stripesy and his wife talking about like uh you know, do we hide this truth from her? And I think they might, the, where they're going is that sometimes the good guys aren't always good. And so, yeah, yeah so I, I want to talk about that because I was really excited about that on the show this week. Yeah, well, yeah, well, we find out, though, that the Shade doesn't want to, you know, he wants to take the Black Diamond and stick it at the bottom of the ocean and just get rid of it and essentially be done with Eclipso and has this whole conversation with Stargirl. Stargirl's led to believe by from Pat who Pat tells her, listen, uh, you know, this dude killed Doctor, the original Dr. Midnight. And she's led to believe that. And then we find out that there was a little bit, you know, a whole different thing where, I recall, wasn't it like Eclipso killed Dr. Midnight's son? Daughter. daughter, which, we, daughter. which we see in, like, yeah. one of the first episodes, one of the first two episodes, that's the opening. 
-hmm. where we see that the the daughter is killed by what we now know is Eclipso. Uh, and and yeah, so that so she finds that out and brings it back to Pat and confronts him about it. Yeah, so that's that's something they got to deal with too. Uh, Lizard King's daughter is recruiting an entirely new ISA. You know, she's going to the fiddler's son and trying to get him to like, oh, you'll learn how to play. And because he doesn't really know how to play the damn thing, but she's confident in that. Um, then she's going ahead and she goes to Sportsmaster's daughter and wants to recruit her as well. So little by little, she and we see in the picture, because there's that one point where that painting gets revealed, where Eclipso shows her what she wants. And it's a new ISA. And Pat's son, Mike, is in that picture repeatedly. They, have, they haven't alluded to exactly how that happens 100% yet. But it's, you know, we're, we're, there's going to be a, a pretty crazy twist at some point where we're going to find out that maybe this kid's got some evil in him or something like that. Or he's going to at least be temporarily recruited. And Stargirl and the JSA are going to have some sort of uh, a dilemma to deal with. Because he's constantly trying to get into the JSA, and they're kind of like just telling him, you know, get lost, not to worry about it and stuff like that. That's why I think is going to push him yeah. in that direction. And, you know, he had the weird thing with Thunderbolt and stuff, but he doesn't have Thunderbolt anymore. So I'm, I'm really interested to see where that one goes. Um, and then at the end of the episode, we find out that Dr. Midnight is still alive in yep. some weird shade world or something. Else. They don't really explain it at the end, but there's like, shadows everywhere and it's like he's in the middle of like some shadow storm or something like that and that's how the episode ends yeah. um which yeah. is super exciting because uh he comes back the way they reveal it is uh he comes back online like the the, the goggles come back online and the new dr midnight's like oh chuck you're back and he's like why are you calling me chuck who the hell are you he's like and she's like no because you're the ai of dr mcnighter and he's like this is dr mcnighter and yeah. so that that was such a cool reveal uh, and then, like, he tries to contact her, and it breaks out, and all he, all you can really hear is the shadows, the shade, and then it cuts out, and then you see him in this, like, shadowy world, which I thought was awesome. Um, I have a theory. I have, I have, I'm gonna, I, have a, I have a theory. I think <laughs> we're going to find out is that Eclipso took Dr. McNider's daughter, like we know, and the shade was trying to help McNider get into Calypso's shadow realm to get his daughter back. And it backfired, and that's why we're hearing the shade killed Doctor Midnight. Because technically, maybe yes, but it was not like I murdered him. It was I was trying to help him and screwed up. Yeah, he's not dead. He's just somewhere else. Right. I like that. I like that. I think that that's a good one, dude. I, I didn't. I did not think of that. I don't think the shade's going to be a villain this year. I think. I think that the shade is there to show us that sometimes, and and this is sort of shown in this episode with the sportsmaster and his wife, that sometimes villains can do the right thing because there's a difference between bad and evil. And if they make, if if the shade remains bad, then he will still fight evil. And so I think that's where they're going with it. So it would just make sense. Yeah. Oh, that, that sounds pretty damn sound to me. Nice detective work there, Jason. Thank you. I try. Like, See, it's it's I, I not like all that. mojo for me. It's not all mojo. It's not. I think you're learning something from Baywatch Nights. <laughs> how to be a detective and like throwing things pieces together. My God, if only I could go back to the 90s and I could join the Baywatch Nights Detective Agency. I don't want to join the cast. I want to join the fictional detective agency. I would pay to see that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get into our last CW uh, verse show as they are dwindling down for the year. Um, 
Supergirl, Season 6, Episode 9. Jason, what do you got for us on this one? All right. this I, You know what? This is this is a better episode than we've been getting, I think. Yeah. Uh, I thought this was a fine episode. I I mean, we don't have many left till the end. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm always like, in any, whenever any show is getting down to the last, I'm always like, is this the right episode for your last run of like 12 episodes? Um, so, like, having said that, like, I think this is a fine episode. It's just, you know, again, I. Where's it going? For, yeah, I was hoping for better. Like, so, all right. So it starts off with Nia. Nia is dreaming again. And as we know, that's her power, like her alien power. She can go into the dream world and, and, uh, that was a big thing, like when she first was introduced, because her mother never got to teach her how to use the power, and so she's always very uh, insecure. And Mixaplex's like cousin is hanging around there from from the Phantom Zone, um, and so like th- that's that's the sort of ace. Well, that, I don't know if that's the A story. I don't know what the A story is. In this that's one of the stories. Uh, I, I guess the A story is the dirty nuclear bomb, right? Yeah, so, I guess because it's super cool. Yeah, so well, well, let's do the Nia thing quickly. So Nia keeps dreaming, and she keeps being visited by Mixaplex's cousin. And Mixaplex's cousin says, look, uh, I got stuck here. I'm an imp from the fifth dimension. That's I'm in your dream world. This makes sense if you read the comic, which is implied, I'm sure. Um, I need your help to get out, so can you get me out? And and I was like, yes, but it's very dangerous. I don't even know you. And then an owl keeps showing up and attacking Mixaplex's, um, you know, cousin. And the owl is obviously her mother. It's not said, but, like, they drop so many hints, which why at the end it makes no sense that she kills the owl and helps Mixaplex escape. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, because Mixaplex says, like, hey, listen, I'll – you know, if you help me get out of here, I'll bring your mother back for 24 hours. I can do that. And um, blah, blah, blah. That's right. I forgot to mention that. That So, that, yeah. so yes, I understand, like, like the allure of it. But, like, you're going to have 24 hours with your mother, which she goes, didn't you fucking listen to me when I was an owl and I told you this woman was evil? Because the owl <laughs> she talks. Yeah, the owl talks. I got a lot of Harry Potter vibes from this Harry, damn owl. Yeah. But like the owl comes and pretty much says like don't like it's it's all cryptic stuff, but it's very clearly don't trust this woman. <laughs> this is not, this is evil stuff. Like don't do it. Um, but she does it anyway at the end because she wants to see her mother. Um, I think this would have been way more effective if I didn't know that Mixaplex was evil or Mixaplex's cousin. Like that. Like I I saw what she did in the Phantom Zone, so I I know that this is a setup for something. Like. So I don't know, like, but I, but I, I guess they all also wanted to have her here because apparently she's going to be something in the, this later, these late later season. I don't know. I don't know where this so. season is going. I think is the problem. Nope. Um. What? All right. So then that's that. Then then the other that was the B story. I'd say. Then the C story is, um, Jimmy Olsen's sister, who I forgot that was Jimmy Olsen's sister to the end Kelly. of this episode, yeah. Kelly. Um, I literally wrote because I it's been so long since I did my Supergirl binge, I can't remember anyone's names except for Nia Nahal, Brainy, and Supergirl. Uh, so I literally wrote the, the social worker girlfriend of David Bowie is looking in on alien kids <laughs> in foster care. Hey, listen, uh, I'm gonna say one thing this is a big win for this episode. She doesn't suit up, she the doesn't. Entire episode, I think that's awesome. Anytime she doesn't suit up, we're good. And I also forgot that she has a She's going by Sentinel? 
when she puts on her David Bowie makeup. Oh yeah, I completely forgot what her name was because I like that happens like very late in the last season, and it was just not something I ever got on board with. I don't remember to be honest. I don't remember this at all. Or maybe maybe they gave it to her now because, and this is where like so the the. Kelly thing is going, and she be, she becomes guardian at the end of the episode. So they'll be oh, Sentinel and Guardian. Guess I, 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 I guess. Know. Listen, um, you know how I feel already about Alex Danvers suiting up. Never, that's it's never a good thing unless she gets a new suit because it's, it's it's really hard, really yeah. <laughs> really hard to, to get through with that. It's yeah, no, it's it's not a good suit. Uh, I do love the Martian Manhunter suit though. I do love that guy. Uh, no, guy he's Josh. awesome. Yes, so even it, though I know why he's not in. Martian form all the time because it probably cost a lot of money for oh, CW yeah, yeah. and they'll burn through their budget. But I whatever, I, I've gotten over that a couple of years ago. So yeah, whatever. yeah, and I like that actor a lot. I just I watched I watched some stupid movie the other day and he was in it and I was like, oh hey, it's John Johns. <laughs> I got excited <laughs> for his little cameo. But anyway, um, but yeah, so so then like there's this whole B plot that's tied in with the A plot of um, the. So there's like this foster care home for alien kids and the aliens have to wear power dampening like things in case they throw tantrums or whatever. And the Kelly comes in and checks in and notices that one of her charges it seems there's something wrong. His brother's a, a convict. And, and the whole, it leads to the brother and like six other alien convicts are being used to steal pretty much stuff to put together a dirty nuclear bomb. And that's what leads into the Supergirl stuff. Supergirl stops it. Uh, Eddie, are you frozen? Oh, I don't know if you can hear me now. Damn it. Um, All right. Well, I don't know if anyone can hear me. If I'm frozen or if Eddie's frozen, so I am... Oh, yeah, Eddie was frozen. Okay, that was not me. I thought that was me. So I will just continue going on with uh, with the Supergirl. So, uh, yeah, so Kelly becomes the Guardian, and then we have this whole thing with these aliens, and they're really trying to make a, uh, I think, a comment on sort of uh, the prison system because you have these aliens are being uh, sort of you forced against their will to use their powers to steal. And the one main alien who's in the show, who's, uh, the, the brother who's, um, you know, in the uh, this gang, they, uh, he like robbed a store because they were poor. Like, it's not even like he was a serious offender. So I think that was what they were going for. I think overall it was interesting. <clears throat> um but again, I just don't know where this season is going because it seems like they're doing a lot of like, like, so we did that whole Phantom Zone thing in the first beginning of the season. And then that was kind of wrapped up halfway through. And and now I guess we're doing this mix of thing. I don't know where the Dirty Bomb comes in. It seems like we're doing one-off episodes. So um, I don't know. I thought it was an okay episode, but not for a uh, final season leading up to the end because they, they don't have that many left. It's winding down. Um, and I get, and that, <clears throat> that's all, I think that's all I have on, uh, Supergirl. So Eddie is not back yet. Um, so what else, what else can I talk about? I don't, of course, I don't want to start what if without Eddie. Um, that would be crazy. 
That would be madness. Uh, so I guess what I'm going to do is I will, hmm, he really fell out an unfortunate time. I could have talked for a while <laughs> if he had fallen out before change of a segment. Ooh, all right. Um, so <clears throat> to, uh, I guess what I can do is I can recap the what if episodes until Eddie gets back with the new one. So, uh, the, what we've done so far, what if wise, uh, we have so far seen what if Captain Carter uh, was Captain America. Uh, Peggy Carter became Captain America. That was an interesting one. Uh, we also saw what if T'Challa became Star Lord, which I think was my uh, favorite one at that uh, so far. Um, and then we had what if the world's mightiest heroes were never formed. Uh, which, you know, which I, I want to, I want to call out, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Whitey Bear, friend of our, friend of the show, friend of ours, uh, who on the stream on Facebook had said, I think Hank Pym taught us what can be accomplished with resources and planning in a fight. Uh, so for those of you people who say Batman can't take Superman with planning, Batman can't take the Hulk with planning, Batman can't take this or that with planning. Well, I think Hank Pym us with resources and planning time, many, many things could be accomplished. It's a true story. Uh, all right, so I got a, I got a message from Eddie. He's working to get back on. He told me to start What If. <clears throat> so this week's What If is what if Dr. Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? Uh, interesting, uh, interesting premise. I thought... Um, uh, I, I thought, so, okay, so interesting premise. I'd first have thought, wait, so like instead of his hands getting shattered, he, uh, you know, gets something through his heart, but that was not it. I took it too literally. And the whole episode revolves around, uh, so Stephen Strange in the movie uh, was not, like he was dating someone, but it was in, they were kind of estranged, I think, at the point, if I remember correctly, when he gets into his accident. And this what if shows that they were together and they were going off to, the award ceremony that he was going off to in the movie when he gets into his accident, except uh, in his accident, instead of shattering his hands, it kills her. Now, the interesting thing about this episode, I think, is that it literally from there, we get the Doctor Strange movie. He goes and looks for... Um, looks for the mysticism, he finds the Chosen One, he finds the Sanctum Sanctorum, he becomes the keeper of the uh, the Time Stone, he, fight, he, you know, battles, not battles, but he sort of, uh, you know, outwits Dormammu, all that stuff in the movie happens, uh, but because his inciting incident was his dead girlfriend, his dead lover, instead of his hands, he can't get over it. And so it shows him being obsessed about it. <clears throat> then he decides to use the time stone to go back and try to change it. And we get, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the, the movie, The Time Machine, uh, which was done in the 2000s, um, which is rough, loosely based on the book. But it's pretty much the first 20 minutes of The Time Machine, where the guy's Guy Pierce's wife dies, and he just keeps using his time machine to go back and save her. And no matter what he does, she dies. She's destined to die. That is simply what it is. And so we see a montage of him trying to save her. We see a montage of him standing her up. No matter what he does, she gets killed. And 
then he decides that he is going to figure out a way to bring her back. And he talks to the, the, the ancient one. The ancient one tells him it's a fixed point in time. Nothing you can do about it. Um, because, it, it, and this, this is where I kind of uh, had a problem with the episode, but I guess not a big deal. Uh, but because she says, well, if you don't lose your girlfriend, if you don't lose your love, then you will never come looking for the mysticism. You'll never fight Dormammu. None of that fun stuff will ever happen. Uh, so it's a fixed point because without her death, he, Doctor Strange wouldn't seek out the, you know, the, the dark art, not the dark arts, but the, the magical arts and the such that he does. Um, however, we do know because we saw Doctor Strange that, like, I don't know, the Ancient One could just take his hands, right? Like, why can't the Ancient One just break his hands on the thing and let the uh, woman live? Why can't destiny or fate do that? I don't know. Um, but so what happens is he decides he's going to look for, he's going to go way, way back in time and find a forgotten library that's been destroyed, uh, in the present. And he reads all these books and he pretty much becomes an incredible master of magic. And he realizes that there are magical creatures that if he absorbs their powers, he can get enough power to undo a fixed point in history, uh, which he does. He, he studies, he studies, he then does a bunch of duels and absorbs a whole bunch of power from, you know, gods and demons and devils and such. Um, and he undoes the fixed point. And then what we find out is uh, he, him doing that messes up the world, right? Half of it is destroyed and half of it's not. It's in this like stasis uh, state. And we find out that the, the, the ancient one, uh, as he, Doctor Strange was leaving, hits him with some sort of spell that separates him. So two Stranges appear. One goes off and does the evil Strange thing, and the other just goes back to Sanctum Centaurum and gets drunk. Because he wakes up the next day and goes, wow, that whiskey, what was in that whiskey I drank? Um, and so he is set the task of training himself to go fight the what is now the evil version of himself. Um, and he goes and does that, and he loses. And Doctor Strange does it he brings back his uh his girlfriend and she's terrified of him and it destroys the world and i'm gonna say the coolest part of the episode is when he becomes so powerful that he can actually talk to the watcher he sees the watcher and it's hinted at in the episode which i thought was really really smart because the watcher speaks to us and he goes hey who's there and then he decide uh, he sees the watcher at the end he says i know who you are i've read about you your people are gods you can fix this and he's like no nope, can't should have done it. And he's like, don't punish the world for my mistake. And he's like, you of all people know what happens when you try to go back in time or try to use magic to correct a mistake. And he's like, sorry. And he just leaves and the world is destroyed. Um, so it's a bleak what if. I like that they I like that they went into the world with it. I like that uh you know, I like that Doctor Strange is kind of split. I like the look of evil Doctor Strange. I think that's kind of cool. Um, I just don't buy, though, that the Doctor Strange that we saw, like the Doctor Strange who learned the things that he did have to learn in that movie, like, you know, going against Dormammu, like doing everything the way he did it. I just don't see that Doctor Strange being that short-sighted. Like, we know he's short-sighted. He's very likely the reason the multiverse gets splintered for Peter Parker, as we saw in the trailer. Um, he, you know, he does in the first one is impulsive with his use of magic. Uh, but this is, you know, also the guy who 
saw the one outcome of Thanos and kept the, you know, in infinity war and kept his mouth shut. So everything could work out. Like, so what I'm saying is he's not a guy who would go that far, I think. And so that was my only problem with this. What if, but I thought it was cool uh, to see what happened with it. I thought it was cool to see um, uh, Dr. Strange fight himself. Uh, and, you know, as always, it's cool to see the watcher. I'm actually excited in February. They're putting out a, uh, action figure line of these what if collections with uh star lord as t'challa the evil doctor strange i think there's uh zombie captain america there's vampire hunter or zombie hunter spider-man some interesting ones uh there's of course peggy carter and the build a figure is the watcher so i think i am going to be um breaking my action figure fast which i have been in for a little while uh well no i broke that about a month ago but whatever it doesn't matter um all right so uh that that is what if i'm going to uh text eddie because he told me to do what if but he's not back yet uh i'm gonna text uh eddie and then i am going to get back to you guys and maybe i will go ahead and continue to do um uh, the uh, the Teen Titans, or maybe I'll just talk about old issues of What If comics that I have read. Uh, let's see. Um, all right, so I just uh, texted Ed. So, uh, old issues of What If comics. So I used to read these, these comics all the time. This was one of the ones uh, I collected. Uh, I, I have a, still have a ton of them in my closet. Uh, and I, so let me see. There are some that I had as a kid. Uh, so I had what if, oh, this was always a memorable one. What if Conan the Barbarian fought uh, Wolverine? I think Wolverine gets like sent back into the time and he, I don't know how he faced off Conan against Barbarian, but, uh, but Conan like kills him. Conan takes his head off with his sword or like cuts his throat or something. And he loses so much blood that he goes insane, but the healing factor saves him. So he becomes a wild animal running across uh, Conan, Conan's time. So that's, that was a memorable one. Uh, there was, Oh, this was, there was a, this, the what if comic I thought was the biggest cheat is what if the Punisher's family had never been killed? So what happens? The Punisher's family isn't killed and he doesn't become the Punisher, but then they are killed and he becomes the Punisher. So it's like, it really should have been called um, what if the Punisher's family was killed later and he became the Punisher later. Uh, and there was the, you get some weird ones like what if the X-Men stayed in Asgard uh, and apparently, like, you know, that I think I think Frog Thor is in that one. Uh, I think Frog Thor is in that one. And it's them just chilling in Asgard. Uh, and then what if Vision took over the world? That was an interesting one. Um, yeah, there was some interesting, interesting what if comics. And a friend of mine just got the uh, what if omnibus. I think I might go back and and do a little reading of the what ifs because I just find the alternate uh, dimensions, the alternate theories, pretty interesting. Eddie, you've returned to us. It's uh, yeah, I had to re reboot my wife and everything, dude. This storm is crazy. 
It's not. It is yeah. crazy flooding going on out there. It's, I mean, my, my phone is blowing up with uh, emergency alerts. Yeah. Wow. So stay, that was, that was a wild trip. Days. I was it watching was. on my phone since I was able to see through my Wi-Fi thing. <laughs> Listen, bravo. Nice job getting, getting that going because it was not easy to do a show along. No, I, it isn't. Not that you crush one in, dude. <laughs> I, I, was, I was trying not to like I, I had some dead air because I was like at first I was like, wait a minute, am I gone or are you gone? Because when you freeze, sometimes that means I've frozen. Yeah. And I'm, I know. Like, and I'm literally just going, Am I here? Am I here? And then you you were gone. And I'm like, oh, oh, I am here. Let me continue with Supergirl. Yeah, dude. Thank you. You are you are you're the MVP of the show to keep this thing going. Because that was crazy. That was wild, man. But nice job. Time. Thank no, you. not nice. Nice job. Or what if? Uh, I'm not going to rehash it. You, you covered it great. Uh, any, was a, any thoughts? Like, what'd you think of it? I know. I I really liked it. I thought it was actually. It might be the most interesting episode that they've done so far. Honestly, I I really do think that this and th this might be it because it really took a super dark turn. Like, it did yeah, and it did not end well. It did not, which I liked. I liked that it went yeah. there. Yeah, so, and I thought that was really messed up. You felt horrible for Strange when he kept on trying to uh, save uh, Christine the entire time. And it, it was, it just ended really messed up. I thought uh, Supreme, um, Supreme Strange was really cool, really demonic looking and everything like that, and, and pretty damn evil. Um, his whole thing with Shumar Garath, I thought was actually pretty awesome. And they kept on trying to take his powers, and then I like, sliced his, uh, his limbs off eventually, and and took them as well. Um, but yeah, and I, I was I wanted to touch on what you were saying though about um, your your issue with the episode with yeah the ancient yeah. one pretty much saying that you know if you don't lose her it's a fixed point in time. I think he was just referring to this universe's Doctor Strange. Okay, I don't think not our Doctor Strange, just this universe. Apparently, that was the only way. Because remember, there's no other Avengers that show up. There's no other anything. So I don't know. For all I know, in this universe, maybe Doctor Strange is the only one. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. I actually do have a question for you that I did want to ask, and I'm glad that I, I remembered uh, for because it's what-if related. So yeah. we are led to believe. So all right, first off, we know that in canon, in the MCU, the Watchers existed before all of this Phase 4 stuff, right? Because of yeah. Guardians 2. What have they been doing? If their whole thing is to watch the multiverse and the multiverse didn't exist because of Kang before the TVA was taken down, what have they been watching this whole time? What do they do? Well, I think what they're doing, though, is they're they were my guess is they're watching Kang constantly resetting those timelines. Oh, you think that's so what it is? Like, I think they're, so they, he was watching them do that because remember, they did the, technically a multiverse did exist. And it kept popping up, and he kept on. It was kind of like um, weeds growing. Think about mm. it like that, and he kept on trying to like smother them over and over and over. So I think the watchers were watching this whole thing happen. I don't know how many watchers okay. there are, but well, there's a race of them, and I, I think yeah. we see we see three of them in Guardians, right? Yeah, I believe it was like three, and Stanley was supposedly one of them. Of course he is. I was like, like in in my head canon, Stanley is Watu, who is the that's that's our watcher who watches Earth. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that's my guess of what the watchers that's, were were doing. Okay, that's but, a, that is an answer I did not expect, and I, I, I it makes sense to me. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> yeah, thank you. 
thank you Wi-Fi for for jumping back on finally after you got rebooted and stuff. And I was running up and down the stairs, and my dogs are like, "What the hell is this guy? What's wrong?" With him? Um, Marvel, Mando, they're who knows? They're, they're, they they they're right now they're laying outside of the door of the room that I do the show in because uh, Angie's bartending tonight. Okay. So they that's their new thing. They just like all right, he's in there. Let's just lay there and oh, all they must they must be freaked out with the storm. I my I think they're curious to know what's going on. So thankfully they haven't been crying or like shivering or anything like that. They're just kind of like, what the hell is that? So yeah, okay, that's yeah. not that's not too bad. But a lot of dogs do freak out though. Normally I, we got yeah. we got kind of lucky with, with these. Um, all right, so then let's let's jump into Titans, man. Let's jump in to because we we got a lot to dive into this week, man. So Titans. Um, Titans season three, episode five. Dude, this we were talking about before the show. Jason, I think this is my favorite episode of Titans today. Yeah. Me too. Me too. And we have probably a lot of reasons why. Because man, was this super Batman centric. Like this this episode of Titans proves my point that I've been saying forever, without a doubt, that you can have a Batman show that is not hokey or goofy and that hits emotional beats and looks good and still retains the essence of the comic. Cause this, this episode does exactly that. Like this episode, so not, not to jump ahead too far, but like, you know, the Lazarus pit is in this episode. Now the Lazarus pit, in my opinion, is something that's one of those like kind of goofy Batman things that it works in the comics because comics can be goofy, but there's a reason it wasn't in Batman Returns or ba no, Batman Begins. There's a reason yeah. Ra's Ghoul wasn't immortal in Batman Begins because it's hard to make the, those sort of um, weirder things work in real life. But this episode does it. This episode gives us a weird fountain of youth, fountain of rejuvenation fucking works and that's yeah. what i'm saying you could do a batman show and and like even just the look of bat and i want to get into batman's trophies but the look of his trophies they were so good looking like the the look on they gave us that joker scene again from the the when jason todd's killed and just how good looking the victim is like oh my god this is such a good looking episode and this is such an oh i can't just i won't stop talking about how good it is unless you stop me ed <laughs> so the episode is called Lazarus. That's literally the title yes. of this episode, which yes. automatically tells you. And I didn't tell Angie what the title was of the episode. She was so you can kind of saw that that was coming. And we both know that Jason Todd's resurrection is tied, you know, to the Lazarus pit and everything like that. So that is some that is something that I think that was a nice surprise for people if they didn't catch the the title of it. Um, yeah, but it, it, we got this episode serves as Jason Todd Red Hood's origin story because, like you mentioned earlier, before we went on, the we don't get really any of the Titans in this episode outside of a former Titan in, in, in uh, Jason Todd. Yeah, this is all in Gotham. Jason Todd, Bruce Wayne, uh, Doctor Tompkins. Uh, which is a huge Batman person. Like, that's a yeah. Bat family, like, VIP. Um, and um, and the Scarecrow. I mean, that's pretty yeah. much the big names that we have, and those are all Batman names. Yeah, no, this this was the, like you said, Batman TV. This is an episode of Batman, essentially, but focused on Jason Todd. 
which is what makes it, you know, fit in with Titans. Um, so we find out right off the bat something that me and Tim were talking about last week. Uh, Crane and, and Red Hood are working together. We knew that. We were wondering who was going to be pulling the strings and things like that. We find out in this episode, Scarecrow was pulling the strings. And oh, yeah. he had a huge plan. And he took a lot of risks in this one. But yeah, boy, he does he had shit planned out, man. Wow. <laughs> wow, did he play Jason Todd like a fiddle, man. Yep. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And again, I want to I want to say again, the casting of Vincent Carthizer as a scarecrow. Perfect. Not something I would have seen, which is why I don't work in casting. Uh, but because it's not your it's not your comic book scarecrow. It's not your Batman Begins scarecrow. This is kind of like an older uh, stoner sort of like, yeah, I'm retired kind of scarecrow, just sort of waiting to get his claws back out, which is what this episode is. Uh, and he plays it so perfectly. And he plays the stoner part, essentially. Like like you just say, no, I'm retired. Oh, I got a bong. Oh, look at this. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm selling out to the GCPD. But he reveals his master plan, essentially to pretty much have Gotham eating out of the palm of his hand. Yeah. Yeah, and his plan, which I love because this is a, such a perfect supervillain scarecrow plan, mm -hmm. is they're going to make the city fear, and then Red Hood's going to swoop in and save them. Now, that can only mean one thing when the scarecrow says it, and that means they are going to fill Gotham with fear toxin. Because when, right. the, when, when the scarecrow says we got to make someone afraid, he's not talking about putting on a horror movie and jumping out of the dark. He's talking <laughs> about fear toxin. Yeah, no, that, that's usually his endgame in all of this thing. Um, but we find out Jason was having nightmares about Donna Donna shooting him for months now. Apparently, Jason's been in a frenzy, you know, having uh, nightmares constantly. Bruce is, like, checking on him and things like that. Jason's Bruce got PTSD. Like, no, he does. Yeah, he's exhibiting all of the signs of PTSD. Yeah. And Bruce sends him to a psychologist that you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. Was Batman family royalty over there? Yep, Dr. Tompkins, which I think she is. I really like her portrayal in this. I really like how she's yeah. characterized. Like their sessions are great. Mm -hmm. And then Jason and his, and his friend Molly, they track down this guy that was Molly saying, hey, you know, their Joker has a guy on the street tracking down, snatching up kids and shit like that. Jason wants to hear about it. And then he also finds out that this is a kid named like Diego. Who, you know, Molly says, like, listen, society doesn't care about him. You know, he's, you know, a brown-skinned kid and things like that. And Jason's like, no, screw this. Batman will take care of it. And then he's like, let's, no, I'm going to step in. I'm going to I'm gonna do something about this. When he comes face-to-face -face with this guy, though, which, by the way, before we get to that, how awesome is that app that Jason Todd has on his phone for, for facial recognition? Yes, that is awesome. That, that is such a Bruce Wayne thing. That is such to, a Bruce Wayne thing. Yep. Yeah. He uses his cell phone to pretty much go ahead and use his camera, and boom, 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 we find out everything there is to know about this damn random guy that uh, the Joker has on the street kidnapping kids. Hey, that's uh, that's Wayne Tech, baby. Wayne Tech. Morgan Freeman created that. Love it. <laughs> uh, but then Jason freezes when he gets face-to-face -face with this guy, and the guy pulls a gun out on him. He starts getting flashbacks of what happened last season with Deathstroke. Yeah, which and I totally thought that was cool. Up. That was really cool. Yeah. And the guy proceeds to beat the piss out of Jason Todd. Yep. And the thing is, you scared. know, you know, Jason Todd could take this guy. Of but, course. 
because it's not just fear it's ptsd it's like your body is your brain is literally hijacking your body with the fear impulse and he freezes Mm -hmm. and this guy just wail like he's kicking him when he's down and the his friend screams no stop and and he's so slimy he's like for you pretty lady or something like that i'll stop and then he kicks him one more time and he leaves and it was like it's such a man oh i hated that moment (laughs) well we'll get to back to him in a little while um, but then Jason goes for another session and then he's like, you know, so maybe I need to take this whole, this whole thing seriously. Cause Bruce has benched him. Bruce is like, listen, no sessions, no Robin. Yeah. That's it. He didn't want to do it, but he's like, dude, you gotta get your head straightened out. You gotta get your head back in the game. Um, so after that, you know, he goes ahead and goes back to the, uh, Wayne Manor and he finds that's when we can, let's get into Bruce's trophy room, which Jason Todd finds oh. in a bat cave. He finds Scarecrow's fear gas. He goes the Mad Hatter. You know, he goes. He goes. He finds something in the Mad Hatter, like the little puppet there. Uh, Catwoman's no, that goggles. Wasn't, that wasn't the Mad Hatter. That was the ventriloquist. Oh, the ventriloquist. I'm sorry, Mad Hatter. No, no, that's okay. I, I I have an action figure of the ventriloquist right behind. Me. I believe you. I believe you do. <laughs> I believe you do. If they had I a have, pop, I'd probably have it too. I have every Batman villain but Bane. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, so then during that whole uh, thing, like they get into the trophy, there's cards from the Joker, right? Um, there's a knife there from like Victor Zaz. Yeah, and I want to be clear, like these, these are props from a comic book thing, right? That look good, like like the mask, right, or the ventriloquist dummy that look good in ink and pa- on ink and paper, you know that doesn't wouldn't necessarily you don't know if they would translate, but they look menacing. They look like real. Yeah. They look. There's nothing goofy about it. Like you see the mask. There's nothing goofy about it. You see the the ventriloquist dummy. Like look like I don't know. It was like dirty and wooden and streaked. Like it, you saw the history in it. You know. And the ventriloquist is like one of the most ridiculous villains. His whole thing is a mob boss with a split personality, and the ventriloquist dummy is the mob boss. Like yeah. you know. So it looked something that goofy looked that good. And that's what this show does. I mean, like spot on is what is how this show handles that stuff. Um, and then Bruce, and also yeah, you said Scarecrow's mask and the te- and the fear toxin are there, which is what Jason Todd takes away from that. Bruce kind of walks in on him, and I love the fact, by the way, after they have a conversation, and he kind of refers to him quickly as son, and Jason's like, oh, son. yeah, like he kind of <laughs> takes that to heart there. Even though I'm not sure in that moment, in that specific scene, that Bruce meant it that way. But Jason caught on to it. He really hooked on to that. I don't think he did, but I don't think it was lost on him, Jason's reaction to the word. And I think that's why we get that moment later on, and which we'll get to. I don't want to jump too far ahead. Um, But I think, you know, what this show, what this episode really does well is it, it portrays Jason Todd as what he is which is a screwed up kid from a screwed up home suffering from PTSD with a lot of unresolved anger issues who's been turned into a weapon by a well-meaning sociopath. Like, I, I mean, I don't know this, this Bruce Wayne. I don't think well, it's laid out in his first session. It, yes. she, she goes ahead and mentions that and she describes basically what Jason, like, literally what you just said about Jason Todd. 
Right. And, and I think that it's perfect that this episode really explores that because what is an abused child who didn't have parents really looking for? They're looking for someone to care. They're looking for parental figures. And, in that, and, and that's what this all is about. That's why he wants to get rid of the fear. That's why he wants to be Robin. It's all about winning Bruce Wayne's approval because Bruce Wayne in his mind is the only adult who has ever given a shit about him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I think the, that they capture that mentality so well that that's what makes this episode work for me because you have those moments where he's taken off guard when he's called son and then you have moments where he is really really viciously damaging batman not not like physically we'll get to it no we'll get to exactly how he does because he really does a number on it which we were one we didn't really know a lot of this stuff yeah this show this episode puts a lot of the season in context uh, but I love the fact that Bruce mentions he's got a conference called Metropolis. That's great. And Luther, up Luther's to up to something. I love that. I, I thought it was awesome. Because I want to see that conversation between him and Superman. Like, I want to see this Batman and Hotchner's Superman. <laughs> sort of, have a I don't know. Have a, I do. <laughs> or whoever their Superman is, because we don't even know who their Superman is in, in this universe, because he's referenced a lot. Yeah, we don't. I just said Hotchner because. I like him. I'm good for whoever they put in there. <laughs> yeah, no, or if we ever get one. I mean, I'm guessing sooner or later we will. Um, but then I love Bruce's line to him, by the way, because Bruce is like that, you know, uh, oh, yeah, you know, I'm gonna, as he's walking away, he's mentioning something about, like, a, a, a friend or something like that or meeting somebody, and he walks away. He's like, hey, listen, if she likes cats, run away. Yeah, <laughs> that was good, yeah. Great line. <laughs> Great line. Uh, so Jason is pretty scared of losing Robin. Like he's pretty much, you know, he's scared of losing. So he's got to do something about it. And he's extremely desperate at at this point. Uh, But Bruce picks him up from his next session. Which before we get, before we get into that, there is a wonderful thing with Dr. Tompkins in that session where she says, uh, and I, this is what you were talking about, but I just remembered a, a quote I wanted to talk about. Like you're worried about not being Robin again, but who is Robin? Robin is the, the 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 projection of this borderline sociopath or this border this so no this this vigilante with borderline personality disorder that's what you're upset about not being and i i don't know just the when she puts it that bluntly i really like wow like you kind of go wow robin any robin that no wonder dick grayson is so fucked up yeah and she's probably referring and she's referring to bruce also Oh, no, no, she has, yeah. Bruce is the borderline. Like Bruce is yeah. the problem. Like that's the thing is like Bruce brings in these children, and I think we see in this episode that you know Bruce does look at he does consider not in this episode, but he does consider uh, Robin um, Dick Grayson his son. I think that's uh, that's clear, Absolutely. that's obvious. But I also think he considers Jason Todd his son in a way, and I think the thing with Bruce Wayne is. He is Batman. He's not Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne's the disguise. Yeah. So what's he going to do with his children? He's going to take them out vigilante. You're right. You know? And so You're it's right. just a really interesting – it's a really interesting connective tissue that they got going uh, between, like, what Batman has done wrong as a father figure and how that's having this – sort of playing out on both his sons, right? Because that first season is all Dick Grayson sort of hating Batman and not wanting to be Robin anymore. And now that's what we're getting here. And I just think it's really interesting to have that throughout the series. Yeah, well, yeah, in, in season one, we get Dick Grayson not wanting to be Robin. But now we got Jason Todd, who's willing to do anything to yeah. be Robin. 
Meanwhile, you know, Jason, uh, Dick Grayson's made his peace, and he's Nightwing now. He's his own man. He's he's got his own thing going. Um, but uh, there's a that's an interesting dynamic where they got with both Robins. But Bruce picks him up from the session, and he takes him to out of all places, Crime Alley. We get to see Crime Alley now. Thankfully, no pearls hitting the floor or anything like that. I'm going to get to watch the whole Death of the Wings once again for the 600th time. I was appreciative of that. Uh, but he he has a really, really heartfelt conversation with Jason Todd here, telling him, like, dude, I don't want to lose you. You're like a son to me. And What, he's, what he says to him is, you don't have to be Robin to be my son. That's and the exact that hits thing he home. says to him. Yeah. That hits home really hard there. You know, really hard there. Where he really cares about this kid. He does. You know, like further than just another Robin, like not just like it's alluded to in past episodes where at first from what we see right earlier that uh, when Jason Todd is believed to be dead and he's already recruiting and looking on to the next one, this gives it a whole different perspective. Like, no, not really. That's not really what he was yeah. doing. He didn't not care about Jason Todd. Right. He wasn't you he know? wasn't looking like perspective, like, okay, time to replace him. It was kind of like, it's my fucking son. And uh, what am I gonna yeah. do? Like, you know, all right, someone else needs me, maybe. And, and that's what I think. That's that's what he does. Like he he has that need, right? Because we talked about it last week, I think, where like when you have uh, when you have trauma in, in your history, your brain tries to force you to relive similar situations to fix it. So, like, he is Robin, and he's trying to fix the childhood of the Robins in a way that no one could fix his, except he can't, because he's Batman. He's crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, he tells you he want to lose him, and then uh, he's pretty much telling him, you're not Robin anymore. Like, that's it. You can, you know, you're not telling you can't live in the house and everything like that, like I'm cutting you off. And then Jason thinks it's because Jason's yelling at him, saying like that he failed. Yeah. Jason thinks that he failed. And he even says at one point, you know, you give Dick, you know, you give Dick everything. Mm -hmm. Like you still do to this day. Like, why can't you do that for me? You feel really bad for Jason at that yeah. point. And, but Bruce has a great line because Bruce says, look, I learned from my mistakes with Dick. And, he's and like, I he takes it the wrong way. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm a mistake. He's like, that's not what I'm saying. No. He's like, I fucked up with Dick. Right. He's taking it on himself. He's like, no, what I did to Dick was wrong. That's why the man won't talk to me. And I miss him and I love him like he's my fucking child. And I yeah. don't want to lose you like that. What Batman is saying, what, what Bruce Wayne is saying is, I would rather have you as Jason Todd, my son, than I would as Robin, my partner, who I can lose. Yeah. And, and, and and then what Jason hears is you're not good enough, which again ties into the abuse child mentality. That's something that uh, children of uh, you know abuse and trauma go through. They they live with this constant fear of never being enough, of never um, you know never making those who they care about happy. And that's what this moment is, right? It's two very mentally ill people trying to come together but they can't because their own mental illness won't let it. I think it's a beautiful moment. It is one of the best scenes in Titans. <clears throat> like it's one of the most heartfelt scenes in the entire mm -hmm. run so far. Yep. 
And I, and I think it says, like, we, you know, so we talked about how this might change our view on this actor as Batman. And I'm going to go back to saying they hired this guy because he's an excellent Bruce Wayne. And I've said that from the beginning. I have trouble, and I still have trouble picturing him in the suit, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But this, his role in this isn't about being in the suit. He's, this guy was not hired to play Batman. This guy was hired to play Bruce Wayne. And I think as Bruce Wayne, he is killing it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm coming around to appreciating, you know, what he's given to this role, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that I have a problem picturing him suiting up, but he's not suiting up, so who cares? Right. And I'd much rather have someone who can add this level of emotion to these scenes with between him and and. Robin and, and him and Dick Grayson. I'd much rather have someone who could add sort of a little humor like we saw in the hallucinations mm-hmm. than someone who I can see in the suit. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I, I'm on board with that. Um, so yeah, so Jason goes ahead and takes this whole thing, pretty much feeling like he blames the doctor saying, you sold me out and all this other shit and blah, blah, blah. And he goes on a warpath creepiest thing she calls her because they do this thing in, in the, the session word oh, yeah, association was, yeah and she calls him it just seems like this like hi this is jason she's like hey doctor word association liar i don't remember what the word is but yeah. she's just like what are you talking i didn't say anything oh yeah he's like jason's gone at this point oh, yeah. he is completely gone and that's the night that where jason is going you know he's going ahead and, and go bruce is going to go and go to europe and stuff like that he's going to leave he wants to take Jason with him. Yeah. Say, hey, maybe we both need a vacation from Gotham. But Jason doesn't want to hear anything of it. Instead, he goes to Arkham to talk to Crane because he knows Crane had a, you know, he was a coworker or a colleague of uh, of the Doctor. Yeah, of Leslie Tompkins. She tells oh, a Leslie story because there's a picture of her. Uh, a picture of him and her and other colleagues. And he says to, uh, Jason says to her, oh, you know the Scarecrow? She goes, yeah, you know, not uh, not when he was a Scarecrow, before he was a Scarecrow. He was one of my best friends up until he tried to murder me. That could usually end a friendship. Yeah, which, well, I mean, you know, relationships are crazy like that, as we yeah. learned from Stargirl. <laughs> so Jason's thing is like, listen, I'm afraid. And he figures, hey, listen, this guy made a fear toxin how about an anti-fear toxin to to you know to work the other way? So he has this crazy conversation where he goes to Arkham, talks to Crane, uh, and that he pretty much shows the fear toxin he's got. Crane puts it together because he's a fucking oh, he genius knows. there, yeah. and he's like, "Wait a second, that's a very specific item right there for a very specific person, for a very specific collector." And he pretty much figures it out. He's like, "Dude, you're Robin." Yeah, you're the new you're young Robin here, and I love- you have access to fucking Batman, and oh, the light bulb goes off in his head. Like you can start seeing the plan yep. formulating right there. This is what I've always wanted to do. This kid is my fucking ticket out of here. Yep, and he has got a great line. Uh, well, I mean, he's got a lot. Of, actually, Scarecrow's got a lot of great lines in this, in this episode. Yeah. But he's got he's got a great line here where he goes, uh, Robin goes, "Oh, are you disappointed?" And he goes, "Not really." I always thought you had wings. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such a weird fucking thing to say because there's no way in the world you would think Robin has yeah, obviously. wings. <laughs> and he also has, there's also a great one. I don't remember when it happens, but when he, he mentions like Hawk, Jason mentions Hawk. And he oh, goes, in, the beginning, is, in the beginning, in the beginning. Which one is that? 
Oh, right. Well, what is with these superheroes and always naming yourselves after birds? You guys are all <laughs> birds on this team. Like, what the hell? So Jason pretty much just tells him, like, listen, if in exchange, if you can give me the formula, I'll pretty much sell you out. I'm going to sell Batman out and tell you everything about it. I'll spill all the beans on him. And he says something like, Dumb one, you know, do one to others. And, yeah. and, and he's just like, he's also thinking, Jason's like, fuck this. I'm going to get revenge on him for benching me and telling me I'm a fucking failure, even though he actually didn't say that. Yeah. But that's what Jason heard. It's, yeah. And, and it really it does make, it makes Jason still, for me anyway, uh, sort of relatable. Like, yes, he's doing villainous things. Yes, he's screwing over my favorite superhero. But because they took the time to sew in these nice emotional beats and these psychological moments and sort of really hitting home that, yeah, there's a reason Jason's doing this. It, it just, it, it's not just blind villainy, you know? And I really yeah. appreciate that here. Like, I actually felt in the comic book, The Red Hood, I have a lot of problems with the comic book. One of which being, like, in the comic book, his motivation is that, well, Batman didn't kill the Joker when he thought the Joker killed me or when the Joker had killed me, and that's just unacceptable. Yeah. And it's like, I never really bought the motivation for the character. Here, I completely think the motivation is earned. Yeah, no, it's it's totally different. Totally different. Um, yeah, I never quite got that, too. And they go with that in Batman Red Hood, Under the Red Hood. And they, they go with that in the animated version, too, and I'm not really... thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, it's it's a strange thing. Again, I think... I actually really, in the comic, I, I have come to like the character of Red Hood as sort of like the bastard child of the Bat family, because Batman still has affection for him. He's still, Even though he's a darker anti-hero, but I've come to like that character, but I, I, I thought bringing him back was forced and not yeah. well thought out in the comic. I actually think this is the best version I've seen of it. The cartoon is the second best because the cartoon is what makes the choice to make it the Lazarus Pit. The comic yeah. book, I think, is the worst because it's like some god sneezes and it rumbles reality oh, yeah, and he yeah, wakes yeah. up. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of goofy. Um, so yeah, so pretty much he tells him I'm gonna, and then but I thought Crane's line, Scarecrow's line to Todd, saying like, "Listen, by the way, I want out of here also." And the way I want out of here yep. is while Batman put me in here, I want Robin to break me out. What he Wanna says is, fly me out of here. I want Robin to fly me out of here on his wings, the same way yep. Batman flew me in. Which, again, it's a nice payoff to that. I, I thought you'd have wings. like. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so he pretty much does that, and then we find out. We know what happened already with that. Technically, Robin did break him out, just not this Robin was the one that did it. So I thought that was pretty awesome, too. Um, so Jason rents out a, a building from some dude because he needs a place to cook. He needs to go ahead and start building this shit or whatever. There's a Breaking Bad joke in here, by the way. That's also was, really funny. That was all it. you need is an RV and you got yourself a show or something like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, so then he goes in through a lot of trial and error through this gas because that little gas that he has in the first episode, we do find, we we mentioned it previously on Granny's PhD. That we believe that this was part of uh, the fear toxin or a, a version of the fear toxin, and that we find that it's the anti-fear toxin. Yeah, which you know he was he was right in the sense that Crane could do it. Yeah. But what he was wrong was trusting Crane because Crane did something to the formula. Like he made it addictive or something because he says, "Oh, I gave you what you needed, but I changed it a bit so you have skin in the game," which means like I now have control over you. Yeah, because he try he tries it a bunch of times and he goes and. He, 
he looks at Crane looks into his eyes through another visit, and he can tell him like Bravo, nice job, and everything like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he pushes him, he manipulates Jason. He's like, Well, you gotta go after you gotta take this thing and go after Batman's most you know wildest villain, essentially the Joker, and pretty much pushes him to go find the Joker. Then it goes back to that scene we see in the first few minutes of the season where Jason's tracking down, talking to Bruce. He tracks down a Joker. He decides to go in head first after him with his, you know, his, now we know it's an anti-fear toxin and fucking gets killed. And you see, you see his body. Like, yes. Like he's beaten. Like it's, it's not mangled. And yeah, it's, it's really bad. That crowbar really did a number. On Jason, because Jason died. He did kill him. He was dead, yes. I mean, because yeah. he's brought back by the Lazarus pit. Do you think the Scarecrow's plan was that Jason would be killed by the Joker? Or was it kind of like, I have contingencies for both? I think he wanted to get Jason killed, and he was confident the Joker would do it. Okay. I do I, think that he pushed him in that direction purposely, because he was too. He was hinting at the Joker really, really. And I wonder if he also... Kind of like put out breadcrumbs for Jason to kind of find the Joker. Oh, good point. Yeah, I kind of think he point. did because he seems like he, this whole plan of his was very, very well thought out and took a lot of things to orchestrate to make that happen. Because we find out that after Jason is killed, his body is. There's also that scene, by the way, in Arkham when the the cops are telling everyone yep. the inmate they're telling all the inmates to get down that. Joker just killed Robin, and you can see him smirk. Him, you know, Crane laughs the whole and like smirks the whole time, and it's like a light bulb goes off again. Like, oh shit, I got it. Like, this is perfect now. He somehow orchestrates a way for his body to be brought to Arkham to this Lazarus pit, which Ra's al Ghul left a little rat Lazarus pit that Bruce didn't even know about. Jason gets dipped into there, brought back to life. And then wham, you know, fear, you know, he wakes up and, and he's there with Crane in some isolated area within Arkham. So, you know, Arkham's, well, we, all, we assume everything in Gotham is corrupt. Of course. <laughs> of course it is. If it's in Gotham, it's corrupt. If it's not related to Batman specifically. Um, I mean, look, you, you know how you know Arkham Asylum's corrupt? Because they, they, they keep letting these people out. How the hell does the Joker escape with a bottle of water or a, a bucket of water? I mean, come on. <laughs> He did that in an episode of the, the animated series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. They were the corruptest stupid. Yeah, so then Crane gives him the special dose of the anti-fear gas and pretty much tells him. He lays out the whole plan. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Gotham in a frenzy. They're gonna come back running to us. You're the hero who's gonna save the day. He gives him I don't know where the hell he got the mask, the red hood mask from, and the guns and all that. Whatever. I, I can it's, I can overlook yeah. that. It's it's yeah. Who cares? Do, do I really, really need cold. extra ten minutes of him shopping? Who cares? No, exactly. However, it is he got it, right. and he goes at it and suits him up. What does Jason do? The first fucking act he gets, he goes right after that douchebag in the alley who kicked his ass. Oh, he so fucking cool. kills him. He tells him, "I want you to very Batman like." By the way, and I thought it called back yeah. to like Batman eighty nine. Absolutely. I want you. To, I want you to tell your friends about me. And he's like, nah, boom, shoots him in the head. I'll tell him tell myself. myself. Oh, it's a great scene. And I was like, I was taken aback. I didn't think I was going to see Red Hood just execute someone. Yeah, and, me neither. And I'm glad I did because he does that. That you know, He's he's not a hero in the comic. He's an anti-hero, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm glad they went there. But it was so, 
it was such a cool scene because you're right. I thought the same thing. I was like, oh wow, okay, he's kind of doing the Batman thing. Oh, oh, he just shot that guy in the head. Ooh, and it's yeah. and you see like he pulls a trigger and then they show like the blood all over the wall. It's like, mm-hmm. oh wow, like, you don't. It's not gory. You don't really see anything, but it gives yeah. the illusion of like, wow, this is this is serious. Yeah, he shoots a point blank. Right in the fucking face. In the face. <laughs> but before before we move away from the crane scene, uh, in, uh, we have to talk about crane dancing. I mean, how I did it in the beginning, but how awesome was it watching Doctor? Do, I was going to say Doctor Fraser Crane. That's that's a different Doctor Crane. Not um, that one. <laughs> how awesome was it watching the Scarecrow get super stoned while monologuing, villain monologuing and dancing? I was such a perfect moment. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was like, it was super, that's what we talked about earlier, super psychedelic. It was it was all out there. It was all about what this Scarecrow is all about. Yep. And it was a another phenomenal scene in this episode, which is what makes it, again, my, it is my favorite episode of Titans. Boy, when season, when episode six drops tomorrow, it has a lot to live up to. Um, but then at the end of the episode, he goes ahead, Red Hood, after he executes this guy, finds the kid Diego that was missing, brings him back to Molly, and Molly is petrified. She knows immediately, by the way, doesn't take his mask off, doesn't do anything. She knows exactly that. Says, Jason, says, Jason, you need fucking help. Yeah. And I love that because, you know, I, I get it. Like, you know, like I we watched Supergirl, right? And there was a thing about Su- on Supergirl just tonight. Uh, well, just this episode where she is interviewed as Supergirl by the guy that she works with every day at Catco. Mm-hmm. And he has no fucking idea it's her. And, and I get it. Like, I have to do that. Well, I'm not I'm not like complaining about it, but it's very refreshing to see this like, oh, no, I know you're Jason. I recognize your voice. And you like, I'm not stupid. We talked about saving Diego and you did it. Like, I, I just love that these she's not stupid. She knows it's him right away. And it's just refreshing because in certain other shows, you can't really do that because it ruins the illusion. And this just goes for it. And she's terrified. And he's just like, I I love the end. uh, I'll let you explain the end. But I I really like that that moment, too. Yeah, no, that that was it. That was the end of the episode. He goes at it and he storms off. Yeah, that's it. He just walks out like there's no resolution. He says, says, oh, yeah, get get, uh, as he's walking out, get get some better fucking locks. Yeah, yeah, get some better locks. Like, it's almost like a throwaway line is the last line of this episode, and yeah. it's. But I think it's. But I think it works. I think everything about this episode works. Like that's why there are certain things, like you said, where do you get the red hood and the gun? Who cares? It works. Like if it works, it works. Yeah. No. It was. It's just out. Absolutely outstanding, man. If if you are into. DC stuff and you're into that and I know a lot of people are sour on the on the movies because they are hit or miss and we've cataloged that in our first whatever the hell number it was of episodes of Granny's Peach TV. We oh, reviewed yeah. all the DCU movies to date. We, we're very much stating that we feel they're up and down and they're hit or miss but this show is the best live action DC property hands down that's out right now. Doom Patrol is very close to it and Superman and Lois is also excellent too, but Titans is like on another level. And yeah. well, when we get into Doom Patrol, we'll see what they bring it with season three too. The Titans is fucking killing it. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, and again, if you're a Batman fan and you haven't checked this out, because I, I'm a huge that's my that's my DC thing, Batman. 
and, yeah, and like if, if if you notice the the you can't see them the action figures behind me that's three shells of Batman stuff almost like you know uh, and I had never seen this show because I just I just got HBO Max to do the show for you with you know so I could catch up with the show before Granny's PhD. Uh, and I had never thought to watch it because I don't know anything about Titans. I don't, outside of Dick Grayson, I don't, and Jason Todd, I don't really know the Titans. I didn't really care about them too much. Not because I didn't like them, I just didn't know them. Yeah. But like as a Batman fan, like this, this hits so many of the Batman buttons for me. Again, it's the closest we're going to get to a live action Batman. But the other Titans are also really interesting too, and they hold my attention. So, if you're a Batman fan who kind of likes to, to wants to dabble in DC, I think this is perfect. Is check it out. Yeah, no, it's a perfect. It's it's the gateway drug. It is the, the gateway drug. Um, um, which is funny because Doom Patrol was my gateway drug because I started with Doom Patrol. That's right. That's right. I forgot. About yeah, that. which did. was which. I'm excited. I saw that. I saw that preview uh, that were, that you sent to me. I'm excited, mm -hmm. man. This time travel. That shows batshit crazy, and there's time travel, and I'm all in. Yeah, after we've had like they, I think they said it on the on the promo for the trailer earlier today. DC even wrote it themselves. Like, listen, we had sex ghosts, you know. Yeah, we, 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 we've they had did. like, I mean, essentially they've had like a donkey farting and pretty much like blowing things out and everything like that. How the hell yeah. did we top it? We got time travel now. <laughs> time travel. <laughs> in this show, I'm excited. Brendan Fraser is always fun. Uh, Matt Bomer again. I, I always say Matt Bomer, one of the best looking guys on TV, and his character is in a bandage. You don't get to see him, which I love it. I love that choice. Yeah. No, it's this rumbling there. Thor. Ooh. <laughs> God of um, Thunder. God of Thunder has arrived on Granny's Peach Day. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm super excited for Doom Patrol, man. Doom Patrol is, is wacky as. Fuck, man, and it's really good, and it is a spinoff of Titans, and it completely does its own thing. Yeah, totally, it's so different, and that's why when I watched Doom Patrol, and you told me it was a spinoff of Titans, and because Gar comes from Titans, Beast Boy. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm watching Titans, like I don't see. I'm, I was watching Doom Patrol, like I don't see how Titans are going to fit on this, and they yeah. are totally so different, but. It works, uh, you know, and I. But I think that's why I like the two shows because they're not the same. One yeah. is like serious comic book stuff, and the other is wacky, crazy shit. And that's what we always say that we love about the MCU is that everything is all connected in one universe, but they're not one and the same at all. Right, exactly. Like we know the Doom Patrol and the Titans exist in the same universe, but the shows are so vastly different; they don't ever have to meet. Again, they've already done no, that, really, yeah. and and that's it. And and I really like that. And I, again, I'm with you. I think, you know, Marvel's killing it in the theater, but I, I think DC is really killing it uh, with TV. And Marvel's catching up because you know we've had some good runs of uh, you know with Loki and Winter Soldier and uh, and WandaVision. But I, you know, stuff like this. I again, I always say this, but I wish DC would focus more on these television shows because they do a better job with them. Yeah, I mean, I think both are doing great jobs in, like, yeah, Marvel is, do, I, I've always, I think you also, too, have been a fan of what Marvel has done on TV as well. Like, I, I do love the Netflix stuff. Yes, oh, I think yeah, this yeah. is a disappointment. Um, you but know, that's, in, that's not MCU canon anymore, right? Well, we'll see. I mean, we'll if, see. Matt, if, if Charlie Cox shows up as Murdoch in, in Spider-Man No Way Home, guess what? 
it's all getting, back, baby. It's, it's all it's all it's all back now. Um, so I, I know I've appreciated a lot of what Marvel's done on TV, but I do admit DC has had a longer running, more consistent. I know time at it. They've they've done TV better than Marvel has. Marvel's catching up now because Marvel Studios, and that's the big thing here. Marvel Studios is the one that's doing these Disney Plus shows. Not, you know, Marvel TV was a separate right. entity, and that's who did the Netflix shows, which, again, I love the Netflix shows. Uh, Inhuman, Inhumans was completely unwatchable and horrendous. I never even tried. It is a, a total disaster. I almost want, if we get a time for it, I almost want you to watch Inhumans because I want to get your reaction to it. I'll do it. Oh, my, you are going to dread it. It, it, was, it was painful. That's pretty bad. Um, it is really bad. Cloak and Dagger, we both dug. Oh, I enjoyed Cloak and Dagger a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, and dug, I, yeah. I, and then Jessica Jones. You know, I love Jessica Jones. Like, yeah, and that that was a character I had never seen in the comic book. I only know her from the, the Netflix show. She was great. I thought yeah. I actually really liked that first season of um, of Luke Cage a lot. Yeah, like, and I like Defenders. I loved Punisher. Yeah, Punisher. Like I, I really like. That's the thing, and we've we've spoken about this, but I wish they would just port all of these characters to the MCU. Even if it's not, you're not going to make movies out of it. But like, I've heard rumors that Jessica Jones is going to show up in S.H.I.E.L.D. Why not? Yeah, no, I, I think that would be great. And I'm Jonathan, I'm with you. Yeah, I yeah, oh, I We're forgot about up. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I absolutely loved Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's the one that it's still debatable. I know um, uh, uh, Craig Clark has uh, been going around and saying, hey, listen, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is canon. Because technically it is Part of the MCU, they acknowledge the. I mean, all these shows acknowledge the MCU yeah. at some point, but they were really the most tied in out of all the shows. Well, I take that back. Agent Carter really was tied into the yeah. MCU. Uh, Agents but, of Shield and Agent Carter definitely super tied in, and I, 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 think, I consider them canon. I think what what really ties in Agents of Shield is the fact that Coulson was a character from the MCU movies and you do get actually Nick Fury on that show. So that's got to make it canon right there. Like I I agree. That is an MCU thing. Like, you know, it's iffy about the like defenders and stuff like that. The Marvel will answer that question, you know, if we, if they put them in a movie, but you know, I think on unquestionably the, what goes on in Marvel's agents of shield is canon. Yeah. And agent Carter, I, I agree with you, Jonathan. Again, I dug agent Carter as well. I love the character. Hallie Atwell's phenomenal as, as the character. We might in those rumors floating around in, in the next Doctor Strange that she'll appear as Captain Carter. We'll see. Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I do wish that would have got more of a run, but it only lasted two seasons. And Tahiti is a magical place, Jonathan. I, I completely agree with you 100%. <laughs> um, Jonathan, you almost got me. I was drinking. You almost, I didn't expect that one. <laughs> But, but DC's been at this, too, for a while, you know? Like, they've done some really cool shit over time over different networks, mm-hmm. too. I mean, if some of you out there did see Birds of Prey, it was their one of their first cracks at it. Uh, you know, that was an interesting run that they had there on that one season of that for its time. Obviously, its it time. doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up now. But, you know, for its time, I thought it was cool. We, we, we enjoyed what we got. Um, and then Smallville, I didn't get into because the I concept is just not for me. Um, and then Arrow gave birth to the whole CW verse, and that's been extremely successful for most of it, at least 
the first couple of seasons of each show seems to be really good. And then things get a little bit dicey after that. Yeah, but that's anything. Like, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, I don't think shows are meant to run 10 years, you know? No, What's if you that? get seven, if you get six, seven years of a show, eight years around there, you've had a pretty damn good run. Yeah, exactly. And I think you just start to run out of ideas. Because even as you said with Flash before, like, you know, they're bringing back some of the old classic characters, and that's great. But what that means is they've run out of ideas, and they they want to get back to the old, you know, the old sort of feel of it. And I think yeah. that that just happens. It's go like I think that's what's happening to Supergirl, right? Supergirl had a I thought of a great run. Look, it's fifth season. First four seasons were super solid. Well six this is season six. The season first six, five eight. seasons were first solid. five seasons super solid. This season's yeah. all over the place because I I don't think they know what to do. And I think that's what happens is you just run out of ideas about what to do with these characters if you go too long. You know, because of Flash. Look, Flash, not a very good season we just had. But there were phenomenal seasons of The Flash, like that I would absolutely say is must see, you know, must see uh, DC television, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jonathan, I'm sure both of us and Tony would agree with you too. Like, we really hope that Superman and Lois continues on that path because that first season was killed. It's great. It's great. And I really hope they bring John Cryer in because it doesn't look like Supergirl's going to be using him anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's just a mystery to me, man. Like, what is going on? Did he? Where the hell did he go? Because why? Why use an established free Lex Luthor when you could have Mixoplex's cousin? I really, I really <laughs> do hope they preserve him for for Superman and Lois because that would be holy shit. Would I be fucking thrilled about that? That'd be great. That'd be great. I'd love to see that happen. Yeah. So, all right. So I think that pretty much wraps it up for us this week. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, sorry about the crazy technical difficulties that we had earlier. Props, kudos to Jason's giving a hand for holding down the fort. And uh, that you. was yeah, no, you did. I was I had it on my phone because I was able to <laughs> not have Wi-Fi, and I was I was watching this. I'm like I'm, I got you on my phone while I'm running around trying to like find figure out what the hell's going on. And I'm like, hey, he's doing a solid job. Maybe you know, maybe maybe I should just sit back and watch this thing and go. <laughs> Well, you, you sent me the text like just do what if and i and i had said like wow this i could have talked for a while if it wasn't in the middle of a segment change but when you told when you told me to just do what if i was like i'm just gonna talk about what if <laughs> there's rick what's up dude? Rick. thank you for that i appreciate it um yeah so no nice nice job kudos to you for doing that it's, you know sometimes shit hits the fan and uh so we, gotta, we gotta pull through the show must go on that's my motto yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate all the support for that. Uh, if you uh, like the jerk tonight and you're on Facebook, go to our Facebook group on Granny's PC, join the group, check it out. Uh, you know, we share a bunch of different articles that we don't necessarily always talk about on the, on every episode because we can't do it. We, we would do a 24-hour episode if we had to do that, and we would have no problem with it. But, you know, <laughs> we're not sure if Rachi or anyone else would be too thrilled about that. We just do a marathon episode. Um yeah, thanks for, for for joining us, and we'll hope to see you out there. Uh, check out Pop Culture Pros. Join that group. Uh, follow us on Instagram or on Twitter or on uh, YouTube, and hit subscribe if you want to check out our past episodes and our future episodes of you know of this show and other shows. Uh, if you're into wrestling, you can check out Tim and Eric on the Just Too Sweet show. You could also see Tim everywhere, but you could also see him on. Uh, <laughs> Shooting the Sith, which is his new Star Wars show that'll be on Tuesdays. Tim, Tim's on here sometimes. He is. Tim's on. We, we stomped you out, which is the Giants show. 
and I, I will be I will be doing some guest spots on uh, shooting the Sith. Tim has already asked me, so you know, tune in, see what see what we got in store. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I, I love it. I like Jason is is spreading out as well. He's getting into shooting the Sith and stuff like that. Right. Who knows? Well, I'm sure he'll pop up some of the random shooting the shit episodes. You you give have. me. You give me four more months. Me and me and Bert will be doing episodes on Columbo. Watch it. I, love it. I, would, I would absolutely love it. Actually, how great would that be if, if Bert and I did a breakdown of Columbo every week? That actually would be pretty fun. I, I think you should do it. I think Farachi, if you if you're listening, you should you should go ahead and give them their own show. Let them do Columbo. <laughs> Just it'll be called uh, one more question. <laughs> Uh, if you're into the Mets, check it out to put in the book show with Farachi and, and the guys. They do a great job covering the Mets. Uh, if you're into the New York Yankees, you can check out the Empire 161 show. Uh, me and Lisa will be back on Sunday nights, which is usually our time to recap the week in uh, Yankees baseball. Uh, check out the Four Quarters show with Dave, and uh, they go ahead and – I don't know. They're in and out of a lot of things, but they cover all sports all around. Um, and a, check out the A to Z show. If you like Eric on, on his shows – Go check out A to Z because he literally covers everything from A to Z. Um, next week on Granny's PC, we'll be back next Wednesday night. We are super excited because we'll have a new episode of Titans to talk about to see how they followed up on this mm -hmm. awesome episode. Uh, there's another episode of What If coming out, which I don't know what next week's episode's about yet because they seem to hint at it like 24 hours before. They still got the Marvel Zombies episode to, to get into. We know that that's on there. Uh, there's another one with like uh, Ultron, that's that's on the uh, docket, and I'm not sure what the other ones are. There's there's a couple of wacky ones that are still out there, which I'm excited to see. But most of all, we will have a new movie next week because Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings drops tomorrow, which I know Bert got a screener pass to see it tonight. Ooh, so I know I was giving Frachi shit about not getting us screen passes. I want to yeah. know. Aren't we let's go. Aren't we press officially now? I would think so. In 31 episodes into this damn thing, I think we're worthy of passes. I think he was having some trouble getting New York passes because they're I think they're like high demand or crazy oh, demand yeah, or something like that. Fair. So hopefully he'll get us in there. But I will have seen it three times by the time on episode. I'm going right. with Jason. Jason and I are going Tuesday afternoon to That's check right. it out on IMAX. Very so excited. can't wait to see that. And I think we will have the return of Tony. I think we next might. week for Shang Chi. We shall see. So, everyone, if you're in New York, get through the storm. Hopefully nothing yeah. crazy is going on by you. Be safe. Uh, be safe out there, and we'll see you guys next week. All right? Peace. Later.